this is DJ CG from Third Root, and you are listening to Verses in Motion on Get Yours Radio. Right now, you're listening to Verses in Motion on Get Yours Radio. Get knowledge, get active. You're listening to Verses in Motion on Get Yours Radio. You're listening to Verses in Motion and Laura LME on Get Yours Radio. Ciao, this is Verses in Motion on Get Yours Radio. radio. Welcome back to the third episode of Made It Back by Versus Emotion on Get Yours Radio. I'm Laura Lemmy and I share this space with Uncle E, founder of Get Yours Radio. To listen to our podcasts, visit Mixcloud, Get Yours underscore radio or Mixcloud, Laura Lemmy, or Spotify, iTunes, Hi Heart Radio, and check us also on getyoursradio.com and on my blog, lauralemmy.me. This is what we call a soul space, so where we talk about love, failure, success, and we are free to feel the winds of overcoming, and we empower each other with words and exchange of heartfelt vibes and stories of success. So in the name of this, um, uh, we invited the founder of Gregor Visions to talk to us, and we would like to share with you guys what he went through uh, for his career, his TV advertising, model scout career, and also uh, as an entrepreneur of a company of trendy and original glasses that have been touring Europe and the world. So hi, Gregory, how are you today? And thank you for joining us. I'm good, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, yeah, I'm okay, I'm pretty chill, nice and relaxed. Good. Ready to tell people my story. Hopefully it'll be interesting, hopefully. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And uh, I'm really grateful for your time today. And uh, uh, we are both Londoners, so I don't think we are very far from each other at the moment. But due to COVID, of course, we couldn't record the show together. So we are doing it via Zoom. Um, and uh, But, you know, ne- next time it might be the case to just record together. So that would be yeah, a, no, great, a, great, a great event when we can all do that will, again. Yeah, that would be yeah. good. It will yeah. be here soon before you know it. Time's going fast. Yeah, hopefully. And I, the future, so it's good. You know? Yeah, I like your positive attitude. Um, just uh, to, to tell us who you are, please, can you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about you and how it all started? Okay, so my name's Aishan Gregory. Uh, I've come, I come from Oxford and I moved to London about 20 years ago. So basically to, to come and study. So when I was a kid, I was very interested in advertising, like who made certain products. And that led me to do a media course. And then I decided to go to university, University of the Arts London, went to London College of Communication. Studied advertising there. And then I worked at ITV for about three years in, in the advertising sales department. So I was selling TV programs like The Bill, uh, the football, like World Cup. Trisha, Jeremy Carr, all these kind of TV programs. So I was just working with different brands like Asda, KFC, Burger King, McDonald's, Mercedes, Audi, whatever brands you think of that I'm on TV. I was speaking to the people that work on those accounts. I did that for a few years. And then after that, I went to work uh, at a media agency called Mindshare. And that's quite, a, it's, quite a, it's part of a company called Group M, which used to be owned by Sir Martin. So it's quite a big name in the advertising scene. And I was working as a TV buyer. I worked on Mango worked on Capcom, just like buying their TV advertising campaign, so that was quite fun. And then I got a bit bored because there wasn't that many bonuses, and I thought I'd go back to sales. So I worked at a place called ZTV, which is like an Indian Bollywood channel. 
that was pretty good. That was quite fun, just doing sales. Then I worked at EMS doing sales. And then I still I still do ad sales now, but um, I've always kind of been, had like an entrepreneurial spirit in terms of what I wanted to do. So I thought to myself, well, because I've been in certain situations, I think I couldn't make the most of it. So I was always interested in like, in the model world. Because I thought to myself, how is it that someone can make so much money based upon how they look? And who is judging that look? Like everyone's got eyes. Well, why are certain eyes supposedly better than anyone else's? So they call it the eye in the modeling world. So obviously doing advertising, this was going on in the background. So I used to watch all these modeling programs on Channel 4 and Britain's Next Top Model, which is quite a famous show. So I would always be able to predict the winner from when I saw the girls lined up. I'd be like, she's going to win it. And they'd, and they'd win it and they kept winning it. I was like, this is a bit weird. And then in 2008, me and my friends went on holiday to Ayanapa. And we stayed in this like hotel or whatever. And then we met some girls from Stoke. And there was a girl who was a uh, mixed race, but she had red hair and freckles. And I was like, oh my goodness. Obviously, I liked her. I like redheads with freckles. <laughs> and she was mixed race as well. And I said to her, Did she ever become your girlfriend? No, she had a boyfriend at the time. <laughs> That's the thing. I was a bit guy, but she had, I had it on Facebook and stuff. But yeah. she said, I said to her, You should go on Britain's Next Top Model. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, they'll never pick me. So she used to get bullied at school and all this kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Because I work in the TV advertising game. Mm. Um, the next installment of Britain's Next Top Model, we got we got the preview, and I saw her on I saw her on the advert, and I was like, oh my god! And she won the whole show. She did it. Yeah, I remember that girl. I actually and remember that girl because yeah, I used to watch that show. Yeah, Jay Thompson, and she yeah, won yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my goodness! Beautiful girl, beautiful girl, yeah. really, really beautiful girl. Yeah. So, so um, let, let's take a, a little step back. So you mentioned ITV and Channel 4. So for whoever is not from the UK, can you tell us a little bit what ITV and Channel 4 are? Because they're big TV channels here. They're like yeah. media, huge media conglomerates. So, yeah, so uh, ITV is ITV's like the, the largest commercial broadcaster in the UK. So mm-hmm. programs like Coronation Street reach about 10 million or 20 million people. X Factor, Britain's Got Talent. So you're dealing with a lot of big budgets there. Mm-hmm. Channel 4 is like the second biggest, it's, it's public public funded as well. But they've also got quite a few good channels and they make uh, documentaries that are very interesting and they, they go beyond kind of thing. So yeah, working with these companies was good. Like it was exciting because you, you're working in TV and there was loads of parties and all this kind of stuff. And That's yeah, the, whole, the whole background and the whole, you know, yeah. behind the scenes of, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of parties, lots of deals getting done. Lots of people in that industry because there's so many parties in free drinks. There's a lot of people who had like drug problems and had to go to like the primary clinic, stuff like that for drinking problems. But it's, it's, it was a fun industry, very exciting, quite fast paced, a lot of like client entertainment, that kind of stuff. But then, yeah, like I said, I was looking at Mindshare and I, I saw the promo she won the show. I couldn't believe it. So I just want to, to go uh, do a little step back again and say so. You come from Oxford, which is a great little city in the UK. There is a very famous university, you know, that we that we that we know we all know about. Um, how did you get from being from, let's say, uh, the outskirts of London, you know, outside London, and then becoming a Londoner and getting into TV advertising? Uh, how difficult was that journey, if it was, and what did you have to face, and what kind of, you know? Um, hurdles you had to overcome? So I, I'd say the biggest hurdle I had to overcome in, in my journey initially would be when I was like 17 um, at like a school and stuff 
And I got a bad reference for my teacher because I wanted to go to another college to do media <laughs> studies. A bad reference for... Actually, you know what? I'm laughing because I had one too. <laughs> I had a bad reference for I, I, I had one or two why. when I was 18, actually. I had to leave my, my school that was run by nuns. Um, Catholic nuns. Oh, is it <laughs> all boys Italian. school? And go, and go, yeah, it was an all-girls school and it was the only languages school because I wanted to study languages, so it was the only languages school uh, run by Catholic nuns in, in, in Italy, in the south of Italy, and uh, I got a really bad reference <laughs> the last year, so I had to go to another language school yeah. um, somewhere else. And So tell us about that story, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, no, so, um, so because I got a bad reference, my mum had me and my mum had to go and see the college and she had mm -hmm. to like defend me and I had to defend myself. And then uh, I got into, I got into the course. So I was doing a media studies course. Yeah. And uh, cause like prior to that, I wanted to be a journalist when I was like 16 and they said, yeah, I'll go and do media studies. So I did media studies. And then, um, yeah, that, I, I, I was doing a BTEC intermediate course. Because they knew that I was like quite keen and interested, I got switched to the advanced course in about two weeks. Me and another guy called Johnny Silver got switched. We skipped a year in about a week. They said, you can go to the advanced. <laughs> yeah. I did that, finished that, and then I was, I was thinking, oh, should I go to uni or should I go and start working? And I spoke to my teacher, he said, no, if you go to uni, you'll meet your friends for life. And that stuck with me. And then I went to uni, and that, that happened to be true. I met the friends I met at uni, I'm still friends with them now. So it, it was a good experience. But yeah, I always, I always kind of wanted to work in advertising after finishing. So was your university in London? Did you do? Yeah, it's called yeah, University of the Arts, London, UAL, of course. So you got like oh, UAL, that's, that's a big one. That's a very yeah, big got, one, yeah. Yeah, uh, London College of Fashion, Chelsea mm -hmm. College of Art, and Camberwell uh, Art School. And then you got London College of Communication, where I went. So it was good. Lots of fashion parties and stuff. So like, with, with fashion, I've kind of always been into stuff that looks a bit different. Like, I like, like this is my watch. Obviously, I don't know the video's on. But that's my watch. That's so amazing. Thought, yeah, yeah. I've always been into things that are, that no one really has. I don't know what, it's just being original, so. It makes you happy. Thought, it makes you happy. Yeah. It makes you, you happy. When you walk down Oxford Street and you see like a mannequin wearing some clothes, like, I won't, I won't buy any of those clothes that the mannequin's wearing. Because I want of to buy course. some <laughs> no, no one's wearing <laughs> So Oxford Street, for whoever, ha you know, hasn't been in London yet or hasn't visited London yet is, the main road of the shopping, you know, events, you know, where all the uh, high street fashion shops are and uh, uh, where everybody goes walking up and down and they find whatever they like. Well, I don't know if it happens anymore because everybody's online right now, which is another <laughs> very sad story. But yeah, let, let, let's talk about that another time. Um, so, uh, of course, you know that, you know, this is a safe space. And what I always want to do is to inspire younger people, young people, or even, you know, older people that want to change their lives and want to feel happy about doing something that makes them really satisfied. So yeah. um, how, how difficult was it to grow up in, I, I think you're quite young, so we are talking probably 90s, you know, early 2000, yeah, yeah? late 90s, early 2000. Um, I, 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 just, I had just actually arrived in London and London was booming with yeah. art and culture and clubs and music yeah. <laughs> and DJs. It was amazing. When I arrived, yeah. it was 95, 96. It was like, wow. I, yeah, I was yeah. coming from a big city in Italy. There was Milan, but I had been in Dusseldorf, living some time in Paris. But 
when I arrived in London, just fell in love with this city yeah. and the way it made me feel and the way I could express myself in yeah. so yeah. many different, yeah. And, and the music culture, the clubbing culture was huge. It was huge. Uh, yeah. And that's one thing I'm really sad about. Um, yeah. that right now, you know, we know what we are going through. Uh, and there was no difference between races and color, skin, skin yeah. color, where you were coming from, what you had. It, it was about who you are and mm. what kind of character and personality you could bring to, to the scene. And, you know, if you knew how to dance or you knew music or you, you, you know, it, it was amazing. It was just yeah. a, great, a great place to be. So did it happen to you as well? When you arrived from Oxford, did you feel this difference, this big, like, opening arms embracing you? Yeah, no, I did. Oxford was also quite a small place, so got, like, the Dream Inspires, which everyone knows, like, the beautiful city, all the cathedrals, all the universities and the parks, and it's nice to look at it in the middle of Oxford, but where I'm from, it's like the ghetto of Oxford, and a lot of people used to laugh at me, because they said to me, there's no ghetto in Oxford, I say, oh, I'm from there, that's where I'm from. <laughs> A place called Blackbird Lees, and in the 90s, what people used to do on the set is to steal cut people's cars and display them, like drive them around, do like handbrake turns, and then set them on fire. And oh, that was the okay. entertainment. That's what it was like in the 90s. So it had quite a bad reputation, Blackbird Lees. Then he had like a, uh, like a Jamaican yard, there's loads of turf wars. Anyway, when I was younger, I just wanted to get out of there because it was so small. I thought it's, I'm, I need to, it's like a fish fry, I need to get out. So that's why I was like, I was in London, former for Luton, but I thought I'd go to London because for advertising, that's the best place to be. And I'm, I'm glad that I managed to get out. It was it was tough, like single single parent family and stuff like that. But I was always a hustler. I used to have like free newspaper rounds when I was like 13. I cleaned toilets. I've, I worked in Burger King. I got sacked from Burger King. You got sacked from... <laughs> Please tell us that story. That's amazing. <laughs> So, so I was working there, so I got sacked from a place selling double glazing. So what we used to do, we used to sit round with a phone book and you have to phone up all the Smiths in Oxford. So it'd be like nights at the round table, you've got a phone, like headset on or whatever. And you got to phone people up and try and sell them double glazing. And people just tell you to like, get laugh or fuck off, stop calling me on a Sunday. Or like, have you got my number? And he's getting people to- oh, I was a cold calling business. Yeah, so I got oh, sacked from wow. there. And that's, okay. when I went to, that's when I went to Burger King. Yeah. I thought my friend worked there. He said, "Yeah, it's all right." So I went to work at Burger King. And that was it. Yeah. Was okay, but then I was, I, he kept making me work Saturday nights. My friends were going out smoking, we drinking, meeting girls, whatever. And I was like, "I don't want to be working on Saturday night." So like one day, I phoned up and I said, "I'm not coming today." He said, "Oh, you're fired anyway." I said, "What? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving anyway. I hate it." And he and he threw a whopper at me. The guy that I worked with, he threw a whopper. I made a whopper, <laughs> and he threw it. He threw it through the chute, and he said, "I'm not giving this to my customers." So I threw it back at him, and I was like, "My career at Burger King's over." <laughs> so I just had to leave, you know, but my friend stayed there. And but it's not, it's not like you're going to cry about it, really. <laughs> no, it's made me who I am today, you know, I've been through the struggle. Yeah. I've been yeah. Through the struggle. And like, I think because of where I'm from and like my dad was, before he got ill, he was very a very successful man. He was like a welder and he used to fly around the world, like private jets and all this kind of stuff. But he got ill when I was born mm. and my mum used to tell me stories about him. So like, because of what he went through and what, what he could have achieved, I feel like I have to achieve, I have to pick off where he left off. You see, I, I need to finish the story. You because feel that fire inside yeah, of you, like he was that a high, fire. he was a high flyer mm. and I think someone put something in his drink and he just never, he was never the same. So 
in my head, I'm like, well, he's my hero. I, I have to like, I have to become, I have to be better than what he could have became, essentially, because you know, you only get one knife, and I'm like, you know what? I've just got to do what I've got to do, and that's that's why I think I do so many different things. Like, I used to have three paper rounds when I was 13 years old because I'm from a poor family. That's what. That's why. So when you have, when you're from a poor family, they say you can have a bigger work ethic because you know that you've got to work harder in order to get where you want to get to. Like my friends did one paper round. I did. I did three. I had, I had to. I was yeah. like clean toilets, all sorts of jobs. And even to this day, I think to myself, why can't I just do one thing? But the reason why is because some things have just happened whereby if I'm good at something, then I'm going to have to like pursue it in some way, shape or form. Like with the model scouting, I don't do that much of it. It's like maybe like 10, 15, 20% of my week. But it's like light work for me. If, if, if it wasn't COVID, it'd be easy because I'd be going out and scouting for models but I just have to do it online like on Instagram you know but it's just one of those things like I just I, I like having a variety in my day essentially you know? so did you when did you get your first breakthrough in TV advertising how did that happen so that was in 2003 and that was um, after I finished uni I was I graduated and then I had an interview and then I got the job and my two of my friends from uni were working there before me and I said, I'll see you there soon. And they was all working together. So it was so much fun. It's like being at uni again. Wow, what, what, a, what a great story. Working together after uni. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Being a it team. It's really good. It yeah. Really yeah. It's a lot of like, parties and stuff. So yeah, I had a great What time. did you like and what didn't you like about the TV advertising world? Um... I'd say most of the people are cool. It's, it's a very funny environment. It's um, you, yeah, you have you have a laugh. You have to. It's like work hard, play hard. So they kind of instill that like you work hard, you play harder, that kind of stuff. So you you do a good bit of work and you go out drinking, that kind of stuff. The things I didn't like about it is that in the industry, there's some people who think they're like doing a really important job. Like you're not doctors, not saving lives just do working that definitely like, not saving lives <laughs> yeah it's fluffy like you're like ruining lives by making people buy stuff they don't need you know it's like that but, um, yeah yeah like, I think the dark side was but, they, but they feel like they're, they're in a royal position don't they sometimes. yeah some people yeah. and I would speak to everyone the cleaner the receptionist I would speak to everybody at work yeah. so you get some people who like they're too like, they're too important to speak to the cleaner or the cleaner's beneath them or whatever because I've cleaned toilets that's why I speak to everybody because I know what it's like of course, everybody has got a place and, and you know, a, a job to do. And that doesn't mean that you should feel less or more important than them, you know? Yeah, um, I think it's like um, people coming from different backgrounds. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and what do you think? Uh, so, you know, I'm part of a mixed family. So yeah. part, part, my, half of my family is black. And in Italy, I have to say, and I say this all the time, I, I really didn't have a, a, a bad experience in terms of skin color you know with yeah. uh, with people you know clubs were open to everyone. I was talking to DJ HP from soul to soul recently and he was telling me that back then in the 80s you actually had clubs where black people couldn't get in yeah and I was in shock because when I arrived in 95 96 that was not the case you know uh, I didn't even know that London had been like that before I the late 90s um, did you feel like your skin color you're, of course you're a black guy so you you, you come from uh, what was your origin 
what, what you... Uh, my parents are from Jamaica. So Jamaica, exactly. So did you feel like there was also a sort of like uh, different behavior towards you because of your skin color or did you feel like it was more of like they would behave like that with anyone anyway? What, in, what, in regards to the, in the advertising world? Yeah. Um, that, I, I didn't have any problems with like, uh, like me being treated differently because of my skin colour in, in the advertising was Well, there might have been a couple of instances actually, but yeah. mainly it was to do with the way they actually treated other people. As in, like right. they might they won't tell as a receptionist, or they they'll look down their nose at the cleaner, or they just be just be like rude or whatever, you know. But there was a, there was one guy that I worked with, and I don't know, he was a bit strange. So if I came into work late. Which I did it on a couple of times. Everybody does day. a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, the train's out of my control. And he, yeah. if I came in late, he would make he would make an issue of it, so the boss could hear, like, "Oh, late again, are we?" And I'd think, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> so if this is in the street, I'll beat him up. But I'm not going to because this is a working environment. But I was like, "Why is he doing that for?" Yeah. But other than that, most people are cool because advertising is it's all about it's a people based business. So you get it's very diverse the people that you get in advertising because that's reflect. You know what I mean, like the world essentially, because when you see an advert on the TV, you have different people in the adverts. You have different adverts in different countries, with, like people from here or wherever. Like it's all about that. It's all about um, it's all about people, people like being together, having fun, or whatever it may be. So yeah, I didn't yeah. have any problems in regards to any kind of race apart from that one guy. But no, that is it, great to hear. Yeah, very good industry. Yes, exciting. That is great to hear. As I said, when I arrived, that's that's why maybe probably in the 80s it was a little bit different. But when I arrived here in 95, 96, it was actually completely great. I I found the place where I felt home and I felt like, you know, I could actually uh, really be myself. Uh, yeah. Probably, you know, compared to Europe, there was a, a much bigger range of freedom. And what yeah. you could do and the way you could be and uh, yeah so I'm happy to hear that so I also know that I, I just learned recently that you are a model scout yes what, what do you do what is it what is the model scouting about and how do you uh, go uh, around or how do you how do you do that so essentially all I if it wasn't COVID what I'll do I'll go to um like Columbia Road Market in East London, and I just stand there, and I, it's just people watching. It's just people watching, and it's waiting to, it's waiting till I see someone who looks like a model, and I approach them, say I'm a scout, here's my details, um, I'll give you a shout in a week. And then what happens is, they have to send like three images, or they can send the images to the agency. Or I, I send the images to the agency, and if, they, if the agency likes them, I'll book their appointment, and then if they get signed, they get paid, and that's it. That's literally, it's quite, um, it's not, this is quite a swift transaction. You know, I meet someone, so I scout them, sign them, get paid. That's it, move on to the next one. But it's fun, and, it's good. Yeah, I can imagine. And how do you, what do you have to see in someone to think, oh, they could be representative of a certain type of model that the market might want to uh, feature or um, a, a company or a brand might want to have as a representative or as an influencer. How does that work? What do you see in them? So it's not, it's normally I can, like, I can look at a girl and see kind of straight away. So it's just like the bone structure. I mean, it had like symmetrical features. Sometimes being a bit unusual. So having like a blue eye and a brown eye 
having red hair with freckles and being mixed race. Like, there's so many different species. Of, like, in terms of how humans look, there's so many different looks. So if a girl is, if, she, if she's rare, then she'll do well in modeling because if there's a girl who's got like one blue eye and one gray eye and she's got ginger hair, like there's how many girls are, are there like that in the world? So I try and look for girls who look quite unique. Yeah, but I always found that that models have, you know, the ones that really made it through apart from the, uh, uh, you know, the way they look. Um, yeah. I always saw in them something different. So the way they, they, their soul comes through and their spirit yeah. comes through in front of the camera. So yeah. it's almost like you can see through them or they can tell you a story just with, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. With, so with, thought, with their eyes. Yeah, like, for example, Naomi, Naomi Campbell, she's able to tell you a story just looking into the camera. Yeah. Uh, and and as, as beautiful as she is, um, it, it's enough to for her to look into the camera for you to get the vibe and to get the, you yeah. know, her the story because because fashion is storytelling really isn't it I mean yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's it. so uh, I'm more interested in what you think that they have in terms of like so because now you know since the late 90s models have changed so the modeling yeah. world has changed so there's a lot of like as you said different looks completely different looks and they're not like the classical kind of, you, don't, you don't have to be a classical kind of beauty yeah. to get to get through uh, the modeling world and become yeah. a model uh, but you need to have that kind of character you need to be yeah, a character you need to have the yeah. personality and the spirit coming through the camera yeah. um so, so how how does it work? Do can people get in touch with you and send you their photos, or if you know anybody's interested in becoming a model, how does that work with Gregor Visions? Can they get through to you in any way? Yeah. So what I'd, what I'd normally do if I if I go out scouting, and I, I used to have like these business cards, but I don't really use them that much. I'm trying to save the planet. Yeah. Well, with COVID, you can't really just go <laughs> around with people. So that's why I'm telling you, if there is if there is a way online to get in touch yeah, no, with yeah, you, I'll just, be... just do it through um, Gregor Vision. So I'll just say, look, just follow me on Instagram, send me your pictures through, then I'll send them to the agency, and that's it. And that's that's why I like using Gregor Vision, because obviously there's glasses on the website, but there's models wearing the glasses, and there's some models that I've, I've signed who have bought glasses, and there's girls that are models that are wearing the glasses, but they haven't bought them, but they like them. So... It's that whole fashion, like modern, it's all that kind of industry is like on the page. Yeah. Yeah. Both worlds. And talking about glasses. So now Gregor Gregor Visions is not called Gregor Visions just, you know, because it's called Gregor Visions. It's because you actually found uh, a product that really inspired you and you decided to make this product travel the world. Yeah. And you know, you took this product anywhere. And and, and if uh, anybody goes on your Gregor Visions pages on Facebook or Instagram, uh, they will find out uh, what I'm talking about. And you know, we are wearing them right now. So we are wearing the glasses right now. I'm gonna put myself on video yeah, again, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 what, what caught me about your glasses business and as an, an, an entrepreneur, but also uh, is, is that, I saw you were able to create a community 
a really commu great community of people uh, sharing the same vibe and sharing their pictures and their glasses. And it's not because you pay them. It's not because they are paid influencers. It's because they really feel the product and they really, really feel the spirit of the product and they want to, you know, show themselves with the, yeah. with, the, with your glasses on. So tell us about that story. How did you find these glasses and what inspired you about them to start Gregor Visions? So, but as I was saying before, I like to have like stuff that people don't have. And I had these glasses, no one else had them. I went to a, I went to a music festival in Malta where I met my girlfriend. And so many people kept coming up to me saying, are they smart glasses? Are they Samsung? Are they AR? Are they VR? Are they Apple glasses? They wanted to try them on. They was taking pictures. There was so much human interaction. I was like, well, I've got to do something about this. So then that's literally how it started. I just thought to myself, there's something about that. It. it makes people talk. And as a species, we're speaking less now because of technology. Like technology is like, it's kind of hindered the amount of human, actual like voice conversations that you have. Because you might be communicating via WhatsApp instead of calling someone up and saying, hey, how, how are you doing or whatever. You might just do it on WhatsApp. So with that in mind, I'll go about a little personal mission to encourage human interaction. And that's essentially what I do when I put on the glasses and I walk along the street. Someone will say, oh, nice glasses, or where'd you get those from? Or they might just raise their eyebrows. But it's making humans talk because we're doing it less as a species. So when I sell someone a pair of glasses, not necessarily the black ones, because they're, they're quite, you know, they just blended normally. But the other colours, they're quite, they stand out and they're quite eye-catching. So when I, I feel happy that when someone buys a pair of glasses from me, they'll walk down the street and someone will be like, oh, I like glasses. It's making human beings talk. It might make, even make someone's day. Like I run in the glasses every day I go running in the morning. I've got glasses on and people are beaming, yeah. people are smiling, people are happy. And like, but let, let's be honest, let's be honest, yeah. In, in, the, in the clubbing world, yeah, when I... You know, when I, I, I just don't want to say this all the time, but actually I've been a clubber for quite a long time. Dancing and stuff, glasses were really important because you would just go from, yeah, for your look as well, you know, for your personality. and But also because you would go from one place to another and there would be some amazing clubs during daytime in London. Yeah, yeah. And you would want to show up your, 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 your eyewear, you know? Yeah. So your eyewear would be really great and important and making a statement, you know, making yeah. a statement. Uh, a, a little bit like Grace Jones would do when she was yeah. rolling through a club or whatever. So... Um, did you do you have any any stories that are really like funny or uh, particularly inspiring about people wearing your glasses? Yeah, I'd say so. I've sold them in, in various different places, but I always say like the best place I sold them in was in the Priory Clinic when my sister was ill. She, she had like mental health problems, and because there were so many cases in Oxford. She had to go to the Priory in Barnes, which is quite, it's quite swanky, quite nice. So I had to go and visit her a few times. And she, she had like some friend, had a little canteen. And uh, her, her friend bought something for her son, even though she had like mental health problems, she still, she could see that her son would have the glasses. So it's that whole thing, it's just like, it, it makes me happy that I, I've got something that makes someone else happy. It's like- Of it's, course, yeah, like, that's amazing. You feel good and like, because I'm quite generous, if I have money, I'll give it to homeless people. If, if I've been paid, I'll give them a cigarette or something. Right? 
And there'd be many a time I've just been walking around, like trying, I sell them when I just walk around. And I'll, it says the tramp that says, oh, not your glasses, mate. I'll just give him a pair. So no, he can't. If he could afford to buy the glasses, he would buy them, but he can't because of his life situation. But I think to myself, that shouldn't stop him from being able to enjoy them. From wearing them, yeah. From wearing yeah. them and feeling and feeling the happiness that something gives. Because sometimes in life, you know, as we were discussing before uh, we started recording our podcast, what caught me about your story was that you are happy to give joy to people and it's not only about the product and it's not only about the money. Of course, you need yeah. to go on in life and you need to earn your money. But at the same time, what I liked about you and the reason why I picked you for the Made It Back episode was that, or it is that you just want to communicate joy and you want people yeah. to enjoy what they're wearing. And what. They, and I think that's really important. And in a, in a world where we are now, where, you know, there's so much to deal with every day, yeah. Uh, you can't even go out and socialize with people properly and uh, actually at all <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you just need that little thing that makes, makes you happy, you know? And it yeah. starts with exercise, it starts with inspiration, with creativity, uh, but also with what you're wearing. You need to be, feel comfortable and happy with what you're wearing and what, you know? Um, and, and that makes you uh, a little bit uh, happier than you were before. And also you stand out for some reason you know because you have your own way to style it as well you know yeah. to wear it the way you want yeah no that's it and I'm, I, I see myself as like a walking advert a walking billboard <laughs> that's I, really I, fun I, I like interactive advertising so yeah when, when the funniest thing I have is like when I <laughs> so at a lot of the techno festivals in London I'd, I'd go there and all I do is in the summer I'd sit outside and I'd have a, have a cider and I'd sell glasses to people walking past and they'll be laughing, they'll be like, oh my God, I need some glasses. I actually forgot to bring mine. Because yeah. <laughs> I had a car machine, they'll take them, I'll take a picture of them on Instagram. And they'll be happy. And like, yeah. so people would see them buying and they'd be like, oh, I want a pair. And you get people like queuing up to buy them and stuff. So it's just making, it's like, a, it's like an accessory. So I feel like I'm like a raver. I used to go to a lot of garage raves when I was younger. And I started getting into the house music, went to Ibiza, went to Berlin, all the techno, been to like, yeah, like various Sonar, Barcelona, all these different music festivals. And because of that, like, that whole techno thing, they're like, I think that in the tech, in the, in the techno waves, the glasses look really good under the light because there's some of them glow in the dark. Yeah, because um, I, I saw that online. I mean, yeah. I'm not really, I'm more like of a, of a classical kind of funky house kind of clubber. So mm. I don't really, I didn't really go to festivals or raves or things like that. I'm one of the comfortable ones that wants the chair and the armchair in the VIP. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. one of those. And then I need to, you know, have my place to dance and whatever. But uh, festivals have always been one of the things that I always, you know, look at videos. And I, I really like the spirit. I like yeah. the spirit of people joining those events. Uh, they're just not for me because I don't really like yeah. a big amount of people, or big crowd Jenny. around me. <laughs> but but I, I've, I've really been always interested in understanding that kind of spirit of community, you know, and yeah. it's something that I experienced at concerts, you know, like Shamiroquai's concerts or, you yeah. know, All Green's concerts or uh, uh, Winnie Houston's concerts. But it's, 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 it's something that is not really part of me in terms of techno kind of music and, and, and that's all. I, I do really 
have my ears open to that and my eyes open to that. But so tell me a little bit more about the festivals. What what is it in in the UK? They're really big. They're really big events. Well, they were until they yeah. stopped us. You know, let, let's be honest, because they really stopped us. But um, until then, they were really really big events, and I hope they will be again very soon. Um, yeah. And, and uh, what what did you notice? Because you, you're also from the UK garage scene, which is a little yeah. bit more what I was belonging to, uh, funky house and garage kind of thing. But what did you see in the festivals that really made you think, oh, wow, this is a big community of people just really sharing the spirit of being together and enjoying the music? Yeah, it, it was just like just, go, just attending them. So like going to um, Eastern Electrics, uh, in 2012 is where they, where they held the Olympics yeah. and it's, it's, like a, it's a good day out you meet up with your friends at about 2 o'clock you're drinking you're partying then you just go into you go in there and everyone's everyone's happy aren't they and dancing and the music's really good the sun's shining so it's everyone's happy everyone's yeah. happy it's like it's the best time for some people some people it's the first festival they've been to and then you, and you just, just cry with laughter because we always have fun when we go out me and my friends like uni friends and work friends and yeah, if you just, you're part of it. Everyone's there for the one reason, it's to have a good time, listen to the music, have a laugh. And like, what you, there's, you're gonna do things that make you feel good, aren't you? You know, people go to yoga, because it makes them feel good. People go, yeah. like music therapy, almost. Oh my God, I music is essential. Yeah. Music is essential. There is nothing so else important. but music. And above all in this uh, shutdown, I, I found myself listening to even more music 24 yeah. 7 than i used to and that's what i go to that's my place you know that's what i go to when i need to find out who i really am and you know what i really feel inside and find my spirit you know feed my spirit strengthen yeah. my spirit that's what i go to uh, and, and I have to say, we, we have, uh, if you listen to some of our podcasts, we have amazing DJs working, uh, you know, with us to, to, to give us that kind of experience. And uh, um, yeah, so absolutely, music is one of the things. And also, whenever you have sunglasses, you have the sun. Oh, these are my favorite. Oh. <laughs> these are my favorite. Oh, is, uh, is this recording? Yeah, of course it's recording, yes. But what, visually? Or yeah, visually, yes. We are recording oh, visually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these are yeah, yeah, these are my favorite. This is, is really these are my favorite ones. I'm going to get them oh okay, I like the silver ones as well. I like the yeah. silver ones as well. And just to be clear, we are not doing this because you're sponsoring us or no, you're no. paying us to do this, let's no, be clear. So it's we are still versus emotion, get yours radio, you know, non-commercial kind of, of, of radio. And what inspired us about you was was the fact that you, you were able to create with a small object, such an amazing feeling of community. Above yeah. all with, you know, uh, you know, and, and the, the example you gave me about your sister, that's great. I can't even imagine, you know, how difficult it is to be somewhere where you're away from your family, you're trying to heal, you're trying to deal with a mental illness. And yeah. there are some little like gestures and some little objects that yeah. give you some joy and happiness. And that's really important, you know, that's how um, spirits get strengthened, you know, by... Yeah, by, no, no. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I've been, I think I've been out before, and like sometimes people said, "Oh, that, you wearing those glasses have made my day." Yeah. That, that for me, like, 
that strikes a chord with me because people like I think it, the reason I think that strikes a chord is because with my own self, I mean, I've had my own mental health issues. Mm-hmm. In like 2013, I couldn't. I had a broken sleep one night, and I went into work, and I was the angriest man in the world. And everyone's was like, "Oh my god, what's wrong?" And it's because I had a broken sleep. So I woke up to go to the toilet. I couldn't get back to sleep, and it's been on for about six months. And I thought I was going crazy because I was so tired all the time, and the cognitive function of my brain it wasn't working. I couldn't do like simple maths. I was getting frustrated, and I looked like I've been. I looked like I've been smoking all night. I hadn't been. I just had a broken sleep, and uh, I had to go to Harley Street to find out if they could help me with my sleeping problem. They gave me these tablets, like antidepressants, and I was on those for about five months. But my brother said to me, "Oh, don't take them. Don't take them." But I was. Uh, I, was uh, I agree with your brother. I agree with your brother. I mean, I don't want to say this because some people really need them. If you yeah. really need them, fine. Just talk to your doctor and do what you need to do with your doctor. But my first instinct is always not to take pills uh, yeah. of any kind. Um, but then, you know, there are some cases in which you can't avoid doing that. So I totally understand. Uh, but, uh, but I see you doing well and I'm happy. I hope you're out of it. And I'm happy yeah. you came through it. And uh, you see, Sometimes such a small thing like a pair of glasses can help you doing that too. Yeah, no, exactly. Just to, just to like, just to make make your day or change how you're feeling. You know, it's all about how you feel. And I wasn't feeling great. I was ready to like jump in front of a train. But yeah, I, I had a few mental health issues myself because I had a broken sleep in 2013. So let, let's explain. Harley Street in London is like the uh, great major place to go to when you go to private uh, care, healthcare. Uh, so you had to go there because you couldn't sleep and you couldn't find peace, basically. You, yeah. you know, when you lose sleep, you lose... I was tired all the time. I was tired. I was like, moody, yeah. loss of appetite sort of thing. It's, it's, yes, it was bad. Uh, of course, what doctors do, you know, uh, because it's their duty, is they give you remedies to get out of it and, you know, to make to feel better. So you took those remedies, but they actually didn't really work out really well for yeah, you it, it works okay but then I, I, I'd feel sedated the next day so I feel a bit like dazed and stuff like yeah, that and yeah. one day I just went to work and I had to speak to my boss and said I can't go and do this meeting because I'm feeling anxious and then I started looking at the side effects and they said anxiety is one of them so I thought I don't have to come off the, come off the tablet so I, I, I stopped taking them and I just like you know just went to bed a bit earlier done a bit of reading before bed and like yeah, I managed to get through it. But I think being with, sometimes you have to to appreciate appreciate the highs. You got to hit the lows, you know. But also, you found that strength inside. Yeah, inside oh, yeah. that made you that made you go through this. And this is really important. And it's something that I always, you know, whenever I have uh, I talk to my guests on online, I always I, I'm, I'm I'm I can't say I didn't have that kind of problem. I had panic attacks, yeah. you know. I had uh, anxious uh, attacks. I had anxiety kind of problems, you know. Um, it, it is, I'm not ashamed to, to talk about yeah. it. Nobody should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, apart, I always, I was lucky enough and blessed enough not to ever have to take remedies. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't if you need to, you know, depending on what you know your situation is. My situation was blessed by the fact that I didn't need to, uh, I didn't want to, uh, and I made it through with the creativity and part of my creativity um, 
coming out, let's call it, yeah. uh, of, of the situation is, is actually, you know, working with Get Yours Radio and recording my podcasts and writing my poetry and doing my photography and listening to music. If you can yeah. make it with your own creative kind of spirit inside, yeah. fine. If you need a little help with remedies, you should. Uh, but, it, it, you know, it depends on every single kind. But I think that deep inside, whatever you do, remedies or not, you need to have that kind of spirit like the one you had that yeah. tells you, listen, get out of it. There's so much more you can do. There's so yeah. much more you can invest in in life. And, you know, even a small kind of object, like a pair of beautiful glasses can help you to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, no, I'm, really? I'm glad. I'm glad I got through. But I think, the, I think the thing that got me through it was the fact that like my dad, he had, he had mental illness problems and that stopped him getting from where he, where he should have been. So when it was happening, that was like the driving force. I was like, well, I've got to retell his story. You know, I've got to finish off, finish off the story that he started. So that's, that's my uh, driving, driving force. And you know, legacy and being part of a legacy is a big reason why you should come out of any kind of dark moment you have. Yeah. Uh, because it's something that you create for future, your future children, for you know your ancestors, and for whoever believes in you, and for yourself. You know, because at the end of the day, if we do not take care of ourselves, nothing else. If we don't love ourselves, nothing else can help. You know. Yeah. That's exactly. The truth. Yeah. So, where did these glasses take you? You went a little bit around Europe, right? Uh, yeah. and, and, and actually, I think you went. Uh, 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 over Europe, uh, over the pond, somewhere else. Yeah, um, quite a few places. So, yeah, because um, so, yeah, I, I do model scouting, I used to go to a graduate fashion week every year mm-hmm. and I would get like a VIP treatment. So the publication that I worked for was like Gregor Visions. I used to fill out the form and I'll just go there with my glasses. I'll get like free drinks backstage, like really like front row. And I'll just have the glasses on. So I'd like, I'd go there wearing the glasses. I'd sell them. I'll give, I'll give some free ones away to like Jeff Banks. And I met this stylist, and she said, "Oh, I really like your glasses." I gave her a sample, and she's uh, Lupe, Lupe Castro. She's quite a well-known stylist. Goes to London Fashion Week, and she's based out in Tenerife. And she put up a post on her Instagram, and then the designer in Berlin got in contact. Said, "Oh, I want to do a collaboration. Who is this guy?" I said, oh, yeah, it's Gregor Visions. So I've got a friend who lives in Berlin. He's a DJ. So I went out there to see him because he had a wedding and then I went to see uh, Wilfred Pleitzinger, the designer, and uh, he said, yeah, we're going to do a collaboration in so in November last year. So that was the highlight. So we went, I went to Berlin, he ordered like 15 pairs, the models were wearing them on the catwalk. I was selling them in the, is it, the, the, the show was in like in the gallery. It was really good, it was really interesting, like inside and outside. And that was that, and getting all the photos from that was amazing, just seeing like, just seeing that these dancers were on that far, because in my head, I always knew that these glasses will be big in fashion because fashion is about like something that's unique, a bit eye-catching, a bit different. Like, what are they? What do they do? Like, these are sort of glasses they make people think. That's what they do. They're like people. They're confused. They're like what? They're curious. And I always knew that because of how people reacted to them, they'll be big in the fashion scene, and they, especially in Berlin, which is probably one of the coolest cities in the world. So having that show, it was amazing. Like, I was quite emotional. I went there on my own. It was like 24 hours in Berlin. But just to see the final show, see them on the catwalk, it was really good. They got some really good shots. 
good videos or good like good content which I put on my Instagram. So yeah, that was like that was the highlight I'd say since doing it. But that all come from Instagram, just from meeting people, just from like human interaction. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like with these last yeah. to meet people that like, I wasn't probably the best story I'd say was I was in a train going back from Highbury Isn't to Kings no, to Finsley Park and there was a random guy and a random girl sitting like near each other but not next to each other and they started talking to each other because of the glasses because one of them spoke to me and then the other one did and they both turned out that they worked in the music industry it's like matchmaking matchmaking yeah, glasses <laughs> and especially in London where people don't talk that much so that's yeah, kind yeah. Of like a mission of mine to make people talk that's beautiful that's really this this is one of the things that I really liked when I spoke to you uh, when you told me that you really liked uh, the fact that you like people to talk to each other and interact human interaction which yeah. you know is something they're trying to make us avoid and make us forget about yeah so yeah well Gregory thank you so much but before you go I just want you to tell us where we can find you and your glasses for your TV advertising for your model scout and for your glasses for your amazing glasses that you're wearing just now tell us oh yeah no, so just go, if you go, just go to Gregor visions on Instagram just follow me and you can just drop me a message or you can email me from my Instagram and then yeah just go from there like the thing is it's I can I'm on there most days I'm trying to have a bit of a digital detox at the moment so I'm trying not to post too much but um if, if a message comes through I'm sure that I'll be able to reply very quickly that's great thank you so much and uh much. I thank you for your time uh thank you so much for for, for being with us and uh please uh, tag us every time I you post do. new 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 models of your glasses and let us know uh, when we can find the newest ones, you know? Thank you so Definitely. much. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you again soon. Okay, thank you, Gregory. Okay.